0: Welcome. You're listening to a sermon podcast from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. This is from Matthew fourteen, twenty-two through thirty-three. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because of the wind against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. Oh, we can do better good morning everyone wonderful good morning online so glad you guys are with us too it's a beautiful morning to be gathered together here this morning and here we are it's august already and we're more than halfway through this very strange and interesting year 2020 i saw a meme that uh said that actually The word crazy can be replaced by 2020 as in, I don't know what happened to my car. It just went all 2020 on me. (laughs) Because there's been so many things about this year that have been so different. A year that has stretched us in many ways, left us exhausted and strained between the pandemic and racial tensions, political tensions, economic challenges and more that we've been dealing with. It's definitely been a strange and stormy season. And while I did fairly well the first few months of the pandemic, I have to confess that the last couple of months have been harder for me. In fact, just a few weeks ago, I hit my breaking point. July 10th was the day that I cracked the day that my exhaustion came to a surprising and unnerving head. That was the day that I broke something I've never experienced before is usually I have a fairly high capacity for workload and stress. But clearly I had underestimated and overextended my capacity. That pandemic morning, I was sitting out in our yard and I got a text from our son who lives in Idaho. And it was a picture of a three inch hole he had drilled in the wall in his master bathroom. And it had a caption that said, if you run out of dog food, I have you covered. Well, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. That open hole in the wall revealed that the wall inside was filled with dog kibble. In fact, when he pulled all that dog food out of the wall, there was more than five pounds of kibble stockpiled in the wall by mice who had stolen it from their dog, from the dog's bowl outside and been storing it up in their bathroom wall like a pantry. And the shock and absurdity of this picture, this whole scene made me laugh out loud, like really loud. Suddenly, I couldn't stop laughing. I was like a runaway train and all of a sudden I was having belly busting body shaking tears streaming snorting doubled over hysterical unfettered laughter it was bizarre my body simply couldn't contain the storm of emotion that was pouring out of me and after about 30 minutes of this loud raucous laughter in our yard my husband Greg watching me with some shock from across the yard Texted a couple of our friends to say, my wife is having a meltdown. (laughs) And he was right. After an hour now of this loud and out of control laughing, he suggested that I go inside the house because he was concerned about our neighbors. (laughs) This crazy laughing fit went on for yet another 30 minutes after that. So this was way more than a case of the giggles. It was 90 minutes. Of uncontrollable heaving wailing laughter an hour and a half that left me completely worn out and with sore ab muscles from all the belly laughing well thankfully I did recover from that big meltdown mostly and on reflecting back to what happened there I think I have some ideas of what might have been going on there you see like the disciples in the scripture reading we just heard I've spent the last five months feverishly rowing my own boat in this pandemic storm against the waves, trying to keep it from breaking apart while being pummeled. As the uncertainty of things tapped into my broken places, unpredictability and scarcity are especially hard for me. I've also been trying to keep up with the increased workload of my role as care pastor at Oak Hills in these trying times with increased needs and also the lead of the pandemic related things for our church with the sometimes weekly changing directives that we've been getting and all the heavy lifting of leading a church through very unfamiliar territory in a stormy and unprecedented pandemic time. I think my tipping point came from the added heaviness caused by the endless barrage of the opposing and sometimes angry opinions and criticisms I've been watching play out in the media and on social media, and even between churches, and also firsthand among people that I know towards each other and even towards me. Opposing opinions and critiques about how things are being done or not done, or strong and varied opinions about the virus, the protocols, the masks or no masks, conspiracy theories, end time theories, opinions about the racial and political tensions of our society, and more. And I don't have any easy answers. I can't fix those tension points and that's hard for me especially given my personality type as a helper and my compassion bent and in my physical and emotional mental exhaustion. I'd also let my spiritual practices and my healthy boundaries lapse even more than usual choking out the small strength and margin I was used to having hitting my unformedness and my often prideful need to be strong by absorbing all the stresses, my own and others. So when July 10th arrived, I was a mess. I just didn't realize it until I broke. I broke from that storm that was brewing inside me. So it was a wake up call for me to do some serious recalibration and start paying better attention to how the storm we're in is affecting me, emotionally, mentally, physically, To set some better boundaries, even when it means I might disappoint people, which is super hard for me, and to fix my eyes back on Jesus in the storm. This morning, we're continuing in our summer series called Churnings, and various people have been sharing about what's churning inside them or what God has been up to or what the invitation is that they're sensing from God for them. For me, the thing that's really been churning, especially lately with the tough time that we're in is this invitation to cultivate, to grow a deeper trust in Jesus. Most of us are familiar with the story that was read by Aaron from Matthew 14. And this passage in particular has been helping me on this journey through stormy waters as I endeavor to lean into a deeper trust in Jesus through some churning questions about him. So back to Matthew 14, there's a lot more going on in this story than just impulsive Peter and his failings. Oftentimes when we think of that story, that's what we go to, is Peter. But this story also reveals some amazing things about Jesus that I think can be helpful to us in difficult times. And just a reminder, this is not the only storm on the Sea of Galilee that the disciples have gone through. Some of them were fishermen before they left their nets to follow Jesus. And a previous storm is recorded earlier in Matthew where Jesus is asleep in the boat with them while they're battling the pounding waves. They wake him up in desperation, wanting his help, and he rebukes the wind and the waves. At his command, peace be still, the storm is over. The winds are hushed and the waves are calmed, and the disciples ask, who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. See, they still really didn't understand who Jesus was and what he was about. But the storm experience here in Matthew 14 is different. Jesus isn't in the boat with them this time. He's not there. So let's back up and set the scene a little bit to get a fuller picture. Jesus has just learned that his cousin, John the Baptist, has been killed by this guy named Herod. And in his grief, Jesus gets into a boat bound for some solitude time. And as they are out on the water, there's a large, large crowd following them on the shoreline. This crowd wants more of Jesus they want more of his teachings more of his miracles and having compassion on them Jesus meets them on the shore and he cares for them some 5000 men plus women and children so think 10 15,000 people enough to fill a basketball arena. And when it comes time to feed them something, he miraculously turns two fish and five loaves into enough food to fill all the pe- feed all the people with bits left over. So they've had their bellies full and they're satisfied. And that brings us up to our story and the scripture this morning and some things to pay attention to about Jesus that can help us to deepen our faith in him in these stormy times. The first one is that Jesus knows it all. The story of the storm is recorded in three of the four Gospels. And between these three accounts, we get a fuller picture of what's going on here. Scripture tells us that Jesus knows the people in the crowd that he just fed want to take him by force and make him their king. They've been awaiting a Messiah that would come in power, free them from Roman oppression and take care of them. But he will not be made that kind of king not the kind of king they want and he certainly won't be made king without the cross that is not the plan and Jesus knows that the disciples are susceptible to being swayed by the thinking of the crowd to being swayed by their plan so what does he do he gets the disciples out of there he makes them get into a boat to cross the Sea of Galilee which is actually a large lake One translation says he constrained them. So it's by force and indicates they were probably arguing with him about it, likely not understanding what's happening and not wanting to leave him. But they relent and they head off in the boat to cross this lake. Jesus does not go with them this time, though. He sends them out at evening time, probably around 6 p.m. for a boat ride that's about seven, eight miles from shore to shore. And while they're... Out there, he goes up to a mountain to pray. He dismisses the crowd. He goes up to a mountain to pray, getting that solitude time that he had been aiming for before the crowd. Here we see that Jesus continues to teach and groom his disciples to save them from themselves. And he physically removes them from the current situation right out into what would become a massive storm. Why would he do that? Consider the notion that he allows them to go out into the storm to grow them to deepen their faith and trust Because he knows that they will need that After all this ragtag bunch is soon going to turn the world upside down for the kingdom So he's continuing to prepare them for that purpose and now he's up alone on a mountain praying What is he praying for? Maybe he's communing with the father. Maybe he's praying for strength in his grief at his loss of his cousin. Maybe for strength to fulfill his mission or maybe for his disciples interceding for them. Romans 8 34 says he is at the right hand of God interceding for us. And there are good reasons for what Jesus does or doesn't do. He can be trusted as we yield ourselves to him. We can't always know what he's doing but we can rest in the assurance that he's at work by his spirit on our behalf and for our good he knows the storms that we're in even today and he knows what we need has jesus forgotten the disciples no mark's account says that he saw the disciples struggling at the oars because the wind was against them really this is another miracle jesus is standing on land in the dark in the storm and yet he sees the disciples In their peril, out in the middle of this lake, miles from shore, his watchful gaze is upon them. There are times where we don't know where Jesus is. We can't feel his presence. We can't feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. We don't know what Jesus is doing. But those are the times that we have to lean into our faith. When we can't feel, we lean into our faith because we have to walk by faith and not by sight. In these difficult times, our faith can be tested and it can grow while we rest in the knowledge that he sees us and he knows. He knows today. The second truth that I see about Jesus in this passage is that he comes to us. So this great storm comes upon the disciples on the lake and they are toiling at these oars, which tells you something about the ferocity of this particular storm. And winds aren't unusual on the Sea of Galilee because of where it's situated and some storms on that sea can produce waves more than 10 feet high. Some of the disciples again are experienced on the water and yet here they are struggling as the wind and waves pummel their boat and threaten to sink them. It's nighttime and it's dark except perhaps for flashes of lightning in this storm and they've been rowing for hours probably like nine hours or so by the fourth watch which is somewhere which is between 3 and 6 a.m. so probably somewhere 3 4 a.m. they're only in the middle of the lake about three and a half miles along and they're making little to no headway imagine how exhausted they are from trying to battle a storm all night and likely to be asking where is Jesus because last time he was with them in a storm he saved them by stopping the storm he spoke to the storm And he stopped it. As the disciples are furiously continuing to row, facing backwards toward the shore they just had left hours earlier, they catch a glimpse between the caps of these furious waves of a figure of a person or a spirit out on the water. And they're terrified because to them the sea represents chaos and wickedness and other dark things. And they don't recognize that it's Jesus through the wind and the waves because he likely might have had the eastern sunrise coming up at his back, illuminating him from behind to look like a spirit. They certainly aren't expecting him to show up there or like that. They weren't watching for him in faith. They were focused on the storm. They were focused on surviving. But Jesus has arrived and he has arrived on the storm on the very thing that is threatening to swamp them he arrives on the storm and this is important to notice rather than hushing the storm first or taking another boat out to them he demonstrates his authority over the elements as he uses the very thing that they're battling the ferocious waves to transport himself to them isn't that a picture Think about that. The storm is the very vehicle that brings Jesus to them in their struggle and their fear. So picture this. He's coming closer and they're trembling in fear that he's a ghost. Mark's gospel says he was walking by them, not directly to them, but by them. No big deal. Just walking on a storm. Relaxed. Perhaps he walked by them alongside them. So they wouldn't be as afraid as he was approaching. Because again, they don't recognize that it's him. They think it might be a ghost. So he gives them a chance to see that it's him. And then he reassures them. Take, tar- take courage, it is I. Other translations say, don't be afraid or be of good cheer. See, he knows best how to approach us and how to bring comfort to us. The third thing that stands out to me in this passage about what Jesus is like is that Jesus is accomplishing something in and through the storm. The story reminds me that Jesus invites us to take risky steps of faith, to join him where he is, and to keep our eyes on him, to trust him in everything, to be held by him as he shows us the goodness of God, the God who made us. And he can use our very difficulties our very storms to accomplish good in us and through us for the sake of others. So Peter calls out to Jesus from the boat. If it's you tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus answers in a word. He simply says come. Not put your life jacket on first Peter. Jesus invites Peter to come to join him where he is out in the deep water. Peter steps out of the boat, takes a few steps on the turbulent waves toward Jesus as he keeps his eyes fixed on Jesus, and he's walking on the water. He knows from previous experience Jesus can command the weather, but then he gets distracted by the waves, and he takes his eyes off of Jesus, and he begins to sink. And as Peter begins to sink, he belts out the shortest prayer in the Bible, Lord, save me. A simple, authentic, powerful prayer that acknowledges both who Jesus is as Lord and Peter's immediate and desperate need to be saved. And Jesus does it. And note that Jesus doesn't wait until Peter's completely submerged under the water and drowning in order to save him. When he is beginning to sink, Jesus grabs him. He doesn't save Peter by stopping the storm but he saves him in the midst of the storm. And I find this really comforting. When I begin to sink, when I fall apart, when I get overwhelmed with life, he is with me and his spirit can uphold me. So I don't have to rely just on my human strength, which will fail me. Together, Jesus and Peter walk on the waves back into the battered boat, climbing in. Back to the disciples who've been watching and learning from this whole experience. And immediately, according to John's gospel, they reach the shore where they're going. Immediately. It's taken them hours through the night to get to the middle of the lake. Jesus gets in the boat and immediately they reach the shore where they're headed. And for those of you keeping track, there are four immediately's in this story. Between Matthew's account and John's account immediately that are happening here so sometimes Jesus does things immediately sometimes he does things over time and makes us wait right the disciples are in the storm all night long so they weren't feeling immediately about anything while they're fighting this storm both ways are of benefit to us when Jesus comes and he fixes things for us immediately and when he makes us wait because he wants to deepen our trust He wants to grow us. That's the most important thing is that he is conforming us into his likeness. And unlike the previous storm with Jesus, this time the disciples are not asking, who is this man about Jesus? This time they worship Jesus. Through this storm experience, they have a greater revelation of who Jesus really is, of his deity, of King Jesus, not the kind of king the people in the crowd wanted, The bread king, the feed our bellies king, and the deliver us from oppression of the Roman rule we're dealing with king, but the true king of kings. And really, that is our best reward, is it not? As we weather the storm, our best reward is to know Jesus better. It's not our deliverance and our comfort and our safety. It is to know Jesus better. Nothing compares to the joy of knowing Jesus. Ephesians 1:17 says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Through our trials, God is growing our faith and he's deepening our trust. The biggest storm in our life has already been conquered. When in our separation from God, Jesus bridged the chasm between us and God through the finished work of the cross and his resurrection reconciling us to God. Do we then not think he's big enough to help us deal with the rest of the storms in our lives? Both the deeper problems we face and the smaller trials. But the truth is we want storms to stop. We want calm and we want security and we want safety, predictability. We want the normal that we know that we're used to. We want answers. How long is this going to go on? What's going to happen? We want Jesus to show up. If we're being honest, we want him to show up, and we want him to say to the storm, peace, be still, and make it stop. To take the storm quickly away. And sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. Other times we have to wait in the messiness of the unknown. Other times while the storm we're in continues to rage, he speaks the words, peace, be still, to our hearts and to our minds. And he calms us instead of the wind and the waves. Either way, he's with us in the midst of the storm. He will never leave us or forsake us. His constant and abiding presence is with us. And the Holy Spirit is empowering us and sustaining us as Jesus people, even in our weakness and even in our meltdowns. And we can rest in the assurance that our storms are not a surprise to God. This is not in the way of God's plans. And they don't mean that he's abandoned us. Rather, they can be a means of grace in our lives, dissecting from us the false and inferior things upon which we have anchored our hope. He doesn't want to just calm the storm for us, but rather he wants us to find him in the storm. He can use the storms as a perfecting work in us transforming us when we keep our eyes on him. Hebrews 12:1 and two says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Evangelist and author Oswald Chambers wisely said, we have to pray with our eyes on God, not on the difficulties. So I ask you that question, what difficulties are your eyes on these days? what waves are pummeling you right now threatening to sink you exhaustion worry uncertainty despair loneliness sadness frustration a broken relationship a health concern loss of a loved one marriage problems the loss of normalcy like school and wedding celebrations and graduation celebrations and parties and concerts missing friends problems with finances work issues tired parents, the heaviness of all the societal tensions that we're in. This is a challenging time, no doubt. These are hard things. And let us not forget also that we are in a spiritual battle. We have an enemy who seeks our destruction, wanting to distract us from keeping our eyes on Jesus, to cause us to wallow in despair and hopelessness, to doubt the goodness of God, and to ruin our witness as agents in God's kingdom. Meant to bring God's shalom to a hurting world. We need Jesus today. We need him every day. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to sustain us, to keep us above the fray, and to change us, to transform us, to meet us in our brokenness, and to lavish his love upon us. So that's my encouragement to all of you today and to myself. Let's keep looking to Jesus with expectancy and hope. Because he is our living hope and let's remember to encourage each other in the midst of that as we remind each other of that hope everything has been placed under Jesus nothing happens without his knowledge King Jesus is overall and can be trusted in everything even our storms so instead of cursing our storm let's look for Jesus in the midst of it trusting him to be at work in it as we fix our eyes on him. Let's remember what he's done before. Worship him. Call out to him in prayer. Stay grounded in his word and in his promises. As it says in Hebrews 10.23, Let us hold unwaveringly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. He is faithful today. He is faithful as he has always been, and he will be faithful tomorrow, and he will be faithful when he calls us out to deeper waters. Would you pray with me, please? I know many of us are weary this morning, weary from the pandemic, weary from the tensions in our society, weary from personal storms. And I just want to take a few minutes in our community prayer right now to pray for each other. And if you're watching online, perhaps pray for the people whose names you see watching with you. If someone is at home with you, pray for them. And for those of you who are here with me, I just want to invite you to stretch your hand out toward someone around you. Just from your seat, in front of you, behind you, just stretch your arm out to our community. God knows the stormy waters that are pounding on that person. Pray for them as I lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, our Abba, our Daddy God, we praise you even in the storm for you are great and you are good. Thank you that you are with us. Thank you that nothing can separate us from your love, that your spirit is at work in us, and that you invite us to come to you. You invite us to come with our grief, with our sadness, with our loss, with our heavy burdens, our weariness, and to receive your rest. We confess that our eyes are not always on you, and that we try to carry things in our own limited strength. We ask for your help. We ask for your help for the person to whom our hand is pointing or whose name we see online, that you would come alongside and you would meet in the struggle, that you would give a new revelation of who you are to that person and to ourselves. You are Lord of all, and we ask that you calm the storm, that you calm the storm we're in or you calm the storm inside each of us. You mean to accomplish good things in us through our difficulties. As the mighty oaks are tested by the storms, they are also strengthened by them. And you never fail. Your kingdom is unshakable. No storm is greater than you. And you can turn our trials into triumphs. You can turn our storms into highways that draw us closer to you. Help us to trust you more to run with endurance the race that you've marked out for us. And pour out your goodness on us, God. Pour us out as well on those around us who need you and who need your love. Help us to be gracious to each other. Help us to be salt and light to a hurting world. This is our time to shine and we pray that the Holy Spirit would well up in us so that we would shine the light of who Jesus is. For Jesus, you are our help. Our hope is in you. God, I ask that by your spirit, you would need each one today. Each person in the place where they need it. Bring encouragement, bring peace, bring healing, bring provision, bring peace, supernatural and bring joy. Fill us with the joy of your spirit as we place our hope in you for today and for every tomorrow that comes. You give us the power to overcome and we rest secure in you as we entrust ourselves to you. And it's in Jesus mighty and matchless name that we all pray. We all say, Amen.